go. Philip. Graham, it is good to see you in the cabana. (laughs) (laughs) For those listening on radio, this is my, uh, my world headquarters, my, my winterized cabana office. So, um, Philip and I have known each other now, I think for three, maybe four years, Philip. That sounds about right. Yeah. Like that. I've, um, Philip's helped me with some coaching and I've been an avid reader, all of his writing for, for most of that time. And we were just, um, shooting stuff back and forth on email a while ago. And, um, I suggested there's a topic that I think is of interest to my audience and Philip thought it would be of interest to his audience. But before I go there, let's just do a quick introduction. Philip, would you like to start? I'll start. I have spent a lot of time helping people make this decision about how to specialize. Uh, I think it gives two benefits you can't get any other way. One is your marketing actually works. (laughs) I think we'll talk a bit more about that today. And second, you can become uh, what I call a self-made expert. You know, without the benefit of academia or pedigree, you can cultivate really meaningful expertise. That, I think, is why I'm most excited about this idea of specialization. So that's the work I do, and I support people, perhaps like yourself, Graham, who are some flavor of self-made expert. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So for those who don't know me, I, um, I help business leaders build a better business on technology, essentially. Um, I've spent many decades in technology um, in various forms, and it's been my pleasure over the last dozen years, I think, to help um, um, well, over 250 businesses in some capacity. So I get to see a lot of it. Um, now, now our topic today is, is there a flavor of specialization that's re- relationship-based? And yeah. Philip's been challenging me over the years to get more specialized or maybe say that I am. And, and I, I thought about this recently, and I think I am specialized. I'm just specialized in a very broad field which is not just technology. It's everything that sits around technology. I, I like to say that the technology is the easy part and it's the, it's the uh, vision and the launch of the work and the navigation of the difficult changes that we do. It's change management. It's, it's, it's usability. It's everything. So not only did I pick a very big field technology, I've now made it about five times the size and that's where I specialize. But Philip, you've, you've had some interesting perspectives on that over the years. Does it go as far as culture, the, the sort of work that you do? It does. It does. And, and a very recent example that we were just talking about is we're recording this, um, what is it, March the 30th, uh, 2020. 31st, yeah. Yeah, we're there. So we're right in the middle, uh, as everybody knows, of uh, a global crisis here that has forced a lot of businesses, where possible, to disperse their staff to working from home. Those businesses that can do it have, have, have had to do that. To me, that's a relatively simple technical challenge, but it's a massive cultural shock for 90% of businesses that, that do not operate in that way. So yeah, right. absolutely culture. Yeah. Right. And so we could argue, I suppose, or we, we could look at this through several lenses. One is, well, you're not specialized at all, Graham. Uh, like. <laughs> So there, you know, you have uh, probably thousands of competitors who are like something, something culture, something, something technology, but you're seeing it through a different lens that I think is really interesting to dig into. That lens is 
Well, how would you describe it? You, you, you use the word relationship specialization. Let's unpack that. Yeah, yeah. Well, before you threw in relationship specialization, I was going to describe it as the human side of technology, which is a bit wishy-washy, but that's really what it is. It, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's not building it so they will come. It's, mm-hmm. it's building it with the customer, essentially. Mm-hmm. If they don't like it, then stop building it. Mm-hmm. What's the point, right? So, so to me, that's, that's around the human side. Um, my book is called Trusting Technology, which is another aspect. I think uh, everyone has to trust the technology that they use. Um, mm-hmm. If you're making big financial decisions within a business as a CEO, then you have to trust it more probably. But whatever position you're in, if, if you don't like your tools, you can't do your job well. So trust is another element. Um, I will jump in and yeah. fla- flag those two things as a, as a point of view, which is yes. almost inseparable from some sort of specialization, but uh, I just want to call that out for listeners. Those are really great examples of uh, two points of view. You have to be able to trust technology and the human component is just as important as the raw technological component. That's what I heard you say. Yes. Yes. And when you said that back to me, that's what I heard me say too. (laughs) (laughs) So, so this, this concept of a flavor of specialization that's relationship based, let, let me, just dig a bit deeper into where that idea came from. Um, I um, I was reading a draft of Philip's next book. I'm, I'm on the privileged list of people that gets to do that and give feedback, which is fantastic. And um, just the insight that came to me is that I have worked in a relatively small community of clients. And we're not talking thousands here. We're talking kind of hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sustained my business um, quite well for a dozen years. Mm-hmm. So it, it works. Um, it works a whole lot better than having one client for 12 years, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, in, in a number of ways. Um, one of the ways that I feel really enriched is this a lot of variety in the businesses that I get to participate in. So to some extent, I'm doing the same kind of thing, but I'm doing it in lots of different contexts. Mm-hmm. And, and not surprisingly, a lot of people in that client network of mine know each other. That's how I got to know them. I mean, I would say if we were to, draw this in circles there are probably three circles that constitute my client base and breaking into a new circle is is quite an interesting challenge Mm -hmm. um so i've sort of specialized in working for people who know each other and can give each other confidence or trust that i can do the job for those other people if they haven't met it Mm -hmm. i'm just not sure if that's specialization though I think it is. I'm drawing a little diagram that I'll reveal <clears throat> for, at the appropriate point in this conversation. You put it in the show notes, Philip, right? <laughs> <laughs> so to, let me ask a few more questions before yeah, we, sure. we try to diagnose this, uh, this strain of specialization. Sorry yes, for the bad, <clears throat> bad coronavirus puns there. Um, so how does, how does that turn into business for you? Um, is it purely referral based or is there some other element by which your, your thinking is introduced to this audience or what does that look like in general? Um, so I'll give a couple of examples here. So I've worked with a number of CEO mastermind groups. So these are groups of uh, leaders, small, medium business. They typically meet 10 times a year, Mm -hmm. um, every month. 
and they kind of act as each other's pseudo board members. Yeah. And they're very, um, a very supportive group. So it goes beyond just the business as well. Like CEO has been a lonely job. So it's great to hang out with other similar yeah. lonely people and you can, you can help each other. So ultimately they trust each other um, implicitly. Yeah. So if I can do good work for one of them and another one of them says, I've got a problem that is in this area, then an introduction in that context to mm-hmm. me is very good. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's excellent. It's almost like sold, right? Yeah. Um, right. Obviously there's a process to go through and we establish whether there's, there's a fit and, and stuff, but it works really well. So that's, that's one context. Another context, and this is topical, I think is, and I'm sure a lot of people, I know, including yourself are doing this. We're, we're trying to find ways that we can help just because it's the right thing to do. We can help people through this current crisis, whether mm-hmm. that's in, um, you know, in technical tactics or whether it's emotionally or whether it's strategically or whether we actually find an opportunity to help them start to figure out how they're going to rebound out of this when, when we're through it. Um, and I, I'm just doing that. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. Am I doing it because it's going to lead to business? Honestly, I don't really care. I think it probably will. I just believe if you do the right thing, that's the way it turns out. Yeah. So, so those are two concepts that this, this works. I think from a business development perspective, the barriers to entry presented from giving are much lower than the barriers to entry um, represented from charging people. And so I think giving is a probably a path in that route. Mm-hmm. It's easier to sell to someone who you've already given to, I think. And I, I know that's something you, you subscribe to, right? Yeah, indeed. Well, there's sort of two ways to look at this. One is just in terms of defining, is this a specialization? And it's, there's this idea of a beachhead. And I, I think this bridges the two ways to look at it, which we'll, we'll sort of talk through here. Mm-hmm. Um, the work, it sounds like, has some amount of diversity in it. Mm-hmm. The work that you would actually do with, yep. you know, when you look across the past 10 years, 250 or so clients, there's some diversity there, I'm, I'm guessing. Yes, you're right. And so we don't see specialization showing up there, but um, we see a lot of the hallmarks of specialization showing up in your relationship with this small group of people who I'm really mm-hmm. curious about. I want to introduce an idea in a moment to to kind of explore that, but um how similar are you to this group of people? Do you see, do they see you as an outsider, an insider? Do you show up dressed the same way they do? What does that look like? They, they would see me as an insider. Um, Why? Well, um, I guess, I mean, I do dress like them. Uh-huh. Right? And okay. that's, that's an important point. I, um, I, I guess my, my career has been, closer to that of a CXO than it has been, uh, which is, which is what they are. Right. And it has been anything else um, yeah. of, of many years. You know, I, I, I am CEO. I'm CEO of a small company. Yeah. Their businesses are generally much bigger, but you're running a business, especially when you're selling and running the business, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, empathy there, I think between us. Um, but I do work at breaking those barriers down such as they exist very quickly. And, and I think that's just in how you relate to people. Like I, I try not to show up and look stiff and act stiff. I try to crack a joke. Sometimes 
sometimes it goes too far, but very rarely, I might add, you know, you're testing, <laughs> you're testing the water, right? Uh, and, I, and I think in the, in the case of these groups that I've um, become um, close to, um, we, we just have a lot in common. So I, I guess the answer based on that is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm an insider. Yeah. I am now anyway. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm wanting to know about the jokes that have fallen flat. We'll yeah, well, there'll be another version of this uh, interview. <laughs> um, it'll be you doing stand-up for me. So, <laughs> you have an audience specialization. Uh, that's There's basically five ways. Maybe this is helpful to some folks. Maybe it's a bit of a, um, a repeat for some. But there's five ways you can specialize. You can broadly, you can specialize vertically in an industry, mm-hmm. or you can specialize horizontally in... Um, a type of thing that spans multiple industries. So it could be a type of problem. And uh, within horizontal specialization, you can spe- you specialize in a platform. Uh, if you're in tech, the world of technology, well, actually, let's say you're in marketing. Uh, there are HubSpot specialists. That's a platform specialization. There are software developers who customize Salesforce. That's a platform specialization. You have the other kind of horizontal specialization, which is an audience specialization. Hmm. And one of the examples I've used in the past is uh, someone who does executive coaching for Fortune 500 CEOs. There's going to be exactly at any one time 500 of those, unless you have one of those weird companies that has two CEOs, right? (laughs) That might take us a, a slight bit above 500, but... That's an audience, and what defines the audience is they have something in common that is important to them. Hmm. And that's, I think, what you're specialized in. What's interesting, I think, is you're functioning as, from, from the sort of expertise perspective, you might look a bit more like a generalist hmm. than the typical specialist, but you found this beachhead uh, into opportunity, which is perhaps it's, I'm not uh, like devaluing the role that your expertise plays here, Mm -hmm. but it may be that your emotional connection, just to kind of simplify and abstract a bit, your ability to emotionally connect and build trust with this group is what you have specialized in. Hmm. Now, that may not be fair to the expertise that you bring to the table, but if we just kind of look at it that way, I think that's one way to describe how you specialized. What do that's, you think? Yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, uh, I, I'm fortunate that I uh, only work with clients that I want to work with, and I, I don't say that lightly. I know, yeah. that, you know we don't all have that luxury. Um and, and by and large, you know, that's not because I've been in business for 12 years. It's been like that for most of that time, although I'm, you know, I'm sure it gets easier as you mature in your business. So, so you know, again, I mean, that suggests that I, I feel like I'm an insider with them, right? And, and I would only feel that way if, if it was reciprocal. What, what I, as you're talking here, I'm thinking what I actually have been told many times is that I translate or bridge a gap let's say between um hardcore technologists the experts let's say in that and business folks who have that don't have the inclination to understand everything about the technology they just want it to work so right you know the metaphor might be i'm in a room with 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 
one of each uh, and I'm sort of doing the translation right um, back and forth um, but in a way that they're both gaining right I mean, it's not like I'm yeah. translating different languages I've been told that many times so so maybe that's my specialization maybe I'm an expert in experts <laughs> I don't know well, <laughs> if if we look at the expertise that that is part of how you create value for clients, that's certainly a significant component of it. Mm-hmm. Is this ability to do translation? There's there's risk mitigation there. There's you prevent opportunity cost. I mean, there's all these things ways that that shows up in terms of hard measurable value. Yeah, it may not be easy to measure, but it's it's so valuable. So from the expertise side of things, that's what happens based on what I'm hearing from you when you're in a client engagement. That's one of the drivers of value. And so that's one of the things that makes your situation so interesting is there's, there's these sort of different functional areas in which you specialized. You've got this, um, this horizontal specialization, which from the expertise perspective is I'm sorry to tell you, it, although it's not a problem, it's not that differentiated. Mm-hmm. That means a lot of other people are like, yeah, I'm great at translating between you know, the business people and tech people. I've heard that dozens of times from people. Right. And that's not to dismiss or devalue it. It's, it's incredibly valuable. And there might be 20,000 people on this planet right now who can do that, which is great. Um, but it doesn't make you sound that different. But when you add in this other component of being able to build trust with the right people, that kind of unlocks the value of that, that expertise. That's, right. that's sort of how I'm modeling what I'm hearing you say about yourself. Yeah. Does that ring true or is that? It, it does. It does. That's a great insight because you're right. Um, you know, if I'm ever filling out a, uh, one of those forms that asks you what you do, right? I don't know what to say. I could say consultant or I could say tech consultant or IT consultant or whatever. I mean, I'm not, I'm I'm none of those things really. And that's the, that's the problem that all generalists, almost all generalists have. Yeah. So you share that with them, but you have no problem cultivating business. Yes. Yes. No, that that's, that's interesting. You know, I mean, I could say I'm an advisor or I could say I'm a consultant or I could say I'm a coach you know, mm-hmm. um, none of those quite fit because I right. do advise, but then I'm often asked to help actually execute, which is fine. That, that makes it interesting. So none of those really fit, but I think you're right. I mean, there's some sort of a Venn diagram. I think the world is all summarized in a Venn diagram of some kind, but I think there's one here, which you say is a big bubble is 20,000 people. And then there's a small bubble with overlap. Uh, and it's essentially which of those people have formed these kinds of close relationships with a, 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 a network or a specific yeah. network. In my case, it's a network of buyers. Um, you would uh, have to be so tactful in doing this, Graham. Yeah. The real answer to what's different about you looks like name dropping. Mm. And so you've got, I just made up the number 20,000 people who can effectively translate between the technical layer and the management layer, but let's just go with that for now. Yeah. That's your competition, right? What's different about you? You're talking to someone, they've asked you, Graham, what's different about you? There's, you know, uh, 19,999 other people who look just like you on paper, what's different? And you just start naming names. 
And after they've heard about five names that they recognize of other CEOs that they trust, they're like, okay, you can stop there. I get it. You can't do that. It's an experiential thing for them of you being present in their world in in the way that you are, right? When I say presence, I mean showing up. Perhaps, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you show up at those masterminds or whatever, but you've mentioned uh, hosting CEO breakfasts Mm -hmm. as, as a way of being present. You're being present in their world. And that sends this signal that accomplishes what specialization, a different form of specialization might be able to accomplish. So it's all, it's, that's what makes this kind of weird and difficult. And I think that's why when you say, well, I think I'm specialized this way, it's all in this world of kind of intangible signals. Yeah, I like that. So what I'm asking myself, so I'm going to ask you now, is how does this translate to your community, the people that read and, and work with you? Um, um, I, I don't know. I don't know how many folks are in this boat. Let's say that. But I mean, how does this sort of model translate to make it valuable for them? How does it translate to their worlds? <clears throat> That's a good question. Let let me take us on a tiny detour on the way there. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask. I'll I'll answer, but I want to ask you: What's a book that you've waited way too long to read? Oh, for me, I'll answer <laughs> while you think. For me, that book is uh, Everett Rogers' book, Diffusion of Innovation, which mm-hmm. is absolutely woven into the sort of mental model that we use when we're thinking about the adoption of technology. It's that, uh, that sort of bell curve depiction where it's divided up into groups of innovators, early adopters, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of folks recognize that right away. And I've been thinking about that in terms of of change management, essentially, and how you introduce ideas to a system, which is a system of people that could be a company that could be your network of CEOs. And here's the diagram. So you have this person, um, it's represented here as a single person who's an innovator. And then you have the opinion leaders. There's usually several of those and the flow of something new goes, and I know folks who might be listening to audio of this don't have the benefit of my uh, hastily sketched out diagram, but I think you'll get it. The innovator usually stands at some, they're they're a part of this social system, whatever it is, but they're a little bit removed from it. Mm -hmm. And they're not trusted in the way that the opinion leaders are. But the the innovation tends to flow through the innovator, whoever that is, or it could be a small group of innovators. I think it's something like 3.5% in general in uh, the Rogers diffusion model. The opinion leaders are who actually get that distributed. And I see something like that in your description, Graham, of your relationship with these CEOs. Hmm. They're sort of the, I mean, it's not like, well, they're, they're the gateway to, the change that you're trying to create, right? Like they kind of, I I assume in your work are putting their sort of uh, political capital, their authority into creating the change. You function as this sort of innovator. Mm. And so there's a symbiotic relationship between you and them. They need you for the ideas and the, and the sort of help us create this change, but you need them to actually have the change happen. Yeah. 
And I just see that model showing up in how you're mapping out your relationships. I don't know that it's directly related to the specialization question, but it's just interesting to notice that. I I like that. I like that. Wow, I'm going to be thinking about myself quite differently again. And and for those of you listening, this is the kind of experience you get when you read Philip's book. I'm not plugging it, but I suppose I am. It's it's going to be good. And I, I got to say, every page pretty much, I'm, I'm rethinking things. So, so, so we, what's uh, real quick? What's the book that you waited too long to read? Um, I um I've I've read it recently, so I, I I did, and actually I read it a long time ago. But it's it's uh, by Clayton Christensen, and he's famous for Innovator's Dilemma. He's famous for jobs to be done but his book is actually called how will you measure your life and as you read it um as as, as a lot of people may know uh, clayton was a harvard professor of 25 years uh, passed away unfortunately a, a month or two ago um but it felt to me like he was writing to his students on mm-hmm you know, go into life with these life lessons. And it's interesting, he, he wove um, advice about everything from raising kids to, I don't know, all kinds of life things right. into essentially his his business advice that he, he gives to his business clients. Yeah. Um, the book was written, I think about a decade ago, 2010 or so, but I, I recommend it. How Will You Measure Your Life? It's a great read. He's a really good writer and, and there's so many pearls of, of wisdom in there. And I wish I'd read it before I had my kids, I, I have to tell you. But, um, you know, there's all kinds of books like that. So, so that's my book. <laughs> Wonderful. It's my book. So how do, we, how do we sort of wrap this and make this as useful as possible? I mean, you know, I, we did pose a question here. Is there a flavor of specialization that's relationship-based? And I think uh, you're, you're the opposite. You're the expert. I think you said, yes, there is. Is that right? Yeah. 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 We'd call, we would call it an audience specialization. My, uh, I, I would bet money that you have a heightened insight into the needs of your audience. Mm. And there's an expertise that you apply that's a little fuzzy looking. It, it seems like uh, you're somewhat of a generalist when it comes to this, you know, weaving together change management and technology and culture and all those things like that is the domain of a, of a really valuable generalist. Mm. And so I think the lesson here is pretty simple. Specialization gives you leverage. Expertise is not the only place where you can apply that leverage. You've um, well, let me ask you this. Have you ever been seduced uh, in a way that would want to take you away from this focus on this group of CEOs? Have you ever been tempted to say, you know what? I just don't know if it's the work to worth the work to build up these relationships. The grass is greener over there. No, no. And, and, and I, I think, I think specific examples of that, and this has happened a few times is where I've, I, let me say I've been offered an opportunity to, do something other than my business. Um, mm-hmm. And I've always stuck with the business um, because I like the variety and, and maybe that makes it harder for me. Maybe I'm just not a natural specialist in the true sense of the word. Cause I like variety. I don't know. I'm not like, I know you're going to start now saying you can go real deep and I, I take that back, but I like the, the, I like the range of things that I get asked to do. And, and it's hard to reconcile that with my view of specialization. Let me put it that way. 
That's perfect. Normally okay. that, that desire to, uh, to, to, to have that variety would work against your ability to use specialization as a lever. Mm-hmm. Normally those would be in conflict. You have resolved that tension and okay. So you weren't ever sort of like tempted to build a different relationship asset, but you've built a specialized relationship asset mm-hmm. that lets you apply a sort of more generalized looking expertise asset to really valuable problems and make good money doing that. Mm. That is a beautiful jujitsu move. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even know I was doing it. How's that? (laughs) No, but um, you were, there was some sense that you were following some sort of like feeling of this is the right way to do it. I can't go super focused in terms of my expertise. I don't want to, what else, where else can I get leverage? And I'm, I am confident because of this survivorship bias that pretty much ensures that people don't get to where you are unless they have that sort of nose for opportunity. You just, uh, I just see you as, as having specialized in building up a, a really valuable relationship asset. Hmm. That's how I would describe it. I would right. say it's a relationship asset and you specialize in a, a pretty narrow, pretty addressable audience to to build that up and that's so you are a specialist Graham you can rest Thank easy you. at night <laughs> I get the t-shirt <laughs> you know the the sort of contours of the specialization look different yeah yeah well thank you that was that was very helpful for me Philip I hope it was helpful for everyone listening um obviously yeah. I'm going to wrap now but I'm going to wrap with a question that if there's enough interest we might have another conversation because I think this is a conversation but you know when I was looking at that question before uh we, we got on Zoom here together. I thought myself, you know, it's a flavor of specialization that's relationship-based. The Perhaps the flip side of that is I don't believe you can do business without some form of relationship. So maybe that relationship term takes on different meanings. I was thinking of it, as you know, in the context of a specific narrow network. Yeah. But let's face it. You, you, you don't sell to companies, you sell to people and you can't yeah. sell to people without some form of relationship. So maybe that's something we could talk about another time. There is a really interesting bridge there to this idea of being present with the people, those you're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, we we'll need to allocate another time slot for that. Yes. There's a lot to say about that. There is. Yeah. Well, thank you. Graham, thank you it was such much. a pleasure to talk yeah. about this with you. Yeah. It was great, yeah. And we will uh, we'll share this with our various communities and see if we can get uh, even better relationships as a result. Yeah. Wonderful. Thanks, Philip. All right, take Thank care. Thank you.